Well, we're so glad you're here today. Good morning, everyone. We're doing things a little different this morning. We uh, are changing up our worship experience, and we're going to have a time of worship at the end after the message. So we're just changing it up. For those of you that came in and are like, that's all one song? I'm in, I'm in withdrawals. Um, we're going we're gonna to do it. We're going to do it at the end of the service. So, you know, it's so exciting to have you here this morning. And I want to invite you, if you will, first of all, if you've not registered for the well, will you register? We would love to get you online just to have an idea of how many are coming. I want to invite you out to that weekend. You heard all about it a moment ago. So please come join us for some or all of it. It's going to be amazing. I want to invite you to stand your feet as we jump into this last week of this series called Deeper. I want you to read this passage with me in Psalms chapter 42, verse 7. We've read it week after week. I want to welcome those of you who are online. We have people that have joined us from other countries like Great Britain, Latvia, Washington, San Diego, Santa Barbara, Minnesota, Nevada, Bakersfield, Virginia. We're so glad you're with us today. And I want to encourage you, even in your home, if you would like, stand to your feet as we honor God's word by reading it together. Let's read in Psalm 42, verse 7. Will you read loudly with me? Here we go. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. Water in the Bible often represents the divine flow and grace of God upon our life, upon his people. In the New Testament, we see water often representing the work of the Holy Spirit. And when we begin to have a washing or a a deeper experience with the Spirit of God, The deep things of God will call to you and me to go to deeper places. So I want you to close your eyes this morning as we invite the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge that you're here and we need you to come and do the things that only you can do. I pray that your anointing would be on everything spoken, that your anointing would be upon our hearts and our minds to receive your truth. And Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would begin to move mightily in this place that we would walk away going, wow, God was there. Your spirit, it it inhabits inside of us, and so we just open up our hearts for it to be released, for there to be an overflowing. And God, I pray that today we would experience baptism in your spirit. So have your way. Say this prayer with me. Say, Holy Spirit, take me deeper. Now, will you just take a moment with the Holy Spirit in your way? It's to commune with him quietly, if it's to lift a hand, to reach out to him. Just right now, Holy Spirit, we make room for you. We make room for you. We acknowledge you and we worship you. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. How many sense that God is here? Amen. Amen. You may be seated today. I've asked David to continue playing. He's going to continue playing today as I share some of the word. I'm going to do some teaching today that's going to go a little deeper. It's going to touch on a topic that for some of you will be new. For some of you, you've heard about it before. We've been reading out of Ezekiel. Last week, we read Ezekiel 47. How many of you took your action card and this week you... You took time to repent and to to pray and to meditate on the word. Anybody take that action step card and work some of those things out? Let me see your hand if you did that. 
All right. How many of you forgot? It's okay. You can acknowledge that too. How many of you are paying, not even paying attention? You're just taking care of other things, texting somebody. All right. Well, I want to just garner everyone's attention for a minute. You know, last week we learned about God taking us through a process of going deeper. We learned that in the book of Ezekiel that the message from God was that he was going to release his glory among his people. And we believe that God wants to bring his glory among his people here at Higher Vision. And so the correlation of the book of Ezekiel really relates to you and I. And there was a process of that release. There was a river that flowed out of the temple of God. And as the angel took the messenger, Ezekiel, into the deeper places, it started ankle deep, which we learned last week had to do with our feet and the direction of our steps. And that many times to go deeper, we have to start with a lifestyle of repentance, inviting God to turn our path to follow his path for our life. And then we learned that the process of going deeper also influenced going knee deep. There was a 1,750-foot gap every season, and that God has seasons in our life, and he wants to take you to deeper places. We learned last week that going knee-deep had to do with prayer, and that God wanted us to develop a lifestyle of not just praying for things, but beginning to develop a relationship seeking out the Lord and knowing him, and that when we begin to pray, prayer isn't about changing things around us only, it's about changing things in us. And that God was wanting to do deep things of healing inside of us. And then we learned last week about going waist deep. That process of going deeper. And that the waist represented girding our waist or girding our minds with the word. The belt of truth. The truth of God. And that when we meditate on the word, that God begins to transform us and change us. And now we're going to pick up in Ezekiel chapter 47 verse 5. He took him from ankle deep to knee deep to waist deep. Now let's look at the next passage. It says, Then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. He asked me, How or have you been watching, son of man? And then he led me back along the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. And then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the, the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. You see... Ezekiel came to a place where he couldn't touch bottom. Have you ever been swimming and you got to the place where you couldn't touch bottom? There was an overwhelming sense of the water or the flow. And what I believe this passage represents when we get to this part is that deeper work of the Holy Spirit where it's not controllable anymore in the sense of that there is an overwhelming sense where the river takes us to new things, where our feet aren't touching bottom anymore. I believe that this part of the story represents the deeper work of the Holy Spirit. And it's what we, we talk about in, in the biblical circles or in the church as the baptism. You see, baptism isn't just being filled, it's being overflowed. It's where the water's not just on the inside, it's on the outside. And so I want to talk to you about an experience, a deeper work of God 
through the Holy Spirit called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where our feet don't touch bottom anymore. There's a deeper work. And so I want to read a passage out of Acts. If you have your Bibles, your phones, turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 tells us in verse 4, on one occasion while he was eating with them, speaking of Jesus and his disciples, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the, what's the word? What is it? The gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. There was this baptism of repentance. They would go under the water, and going under the water, coming up, there was a baptism, a repentance from sin. But he said, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And if you read on into Acts chapter 2, we discover that that baptism took place. Because on the day of Pentecost, there was 120 of Jesus' followers up in the upper room. There came a sound from heaven, and they all began to speak in tongues, or with the spiritual language. That's where we read in Acts 2, 4, it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said an experience is coming with the Holy Spirit that's on a whole nother level. It's a gift that the Holy Spirit wants to bring. My Father promised it to you. And here's where we see it coming. Because they go back to Jerusalem, they wait, they go deeper through prayer, repentance, worship, and then boom, here comes this baptism. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. So this deeper experience, this baptism, is connected to tongues. Now, how many of you here have ever heard of the phrase or the idea of speaking in tongues? Let me see your hand if you've heard of that. Let me ask this question. Put your hand down. How many of you really don't know much about it? If that's you, raise your hand. Let me see your hand. Okay. Many of you grew up in a church where you heard the teaching on tongues, baptism in the Holy Spirit. First of all, let me just kind of give a clear explanation of what the word tongues mean. Because when they were experiencing tongues, it was not some really weird paranormal experience. It was some, something that was super spiritual and, and hard to understand and spooky and weird. There wasn't like weird tongues that appeared all over the place. I mean, oh, that would be weird. Here's what the word tongues means. Language. When you speak, your tongue speaks. It's a tongue. It's a language. So what we're talking about when we talk about tongues is we're simply talking about a spiritual language that God has given. And what we discover is that Jesus said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to wait for a gift, a promise that my Father has made available to you, a deeper experience, a baptism. And they went and they received. And so today, I want to just kind of take away all the stereotypes, all of the questions that you might have. I can't answer everything today in this message. But what I want to do today is I want to show you how you can go deeper and experience a place with the Holy Spirit where you decide not to touch bottom anymore. Where you allow the river to take you into new and wonderful things.
So I want you to grab your, your cards, your, your notes out of your programs, and I want you to write in some of these points. You ready? Now, I've made a few changes from last night, so there's a couple things on there that'll be different. But I want you to write these down. I want to make point number one very clear. You ready? Here's point number one. When it comes to spiritual language or tongues, here's what you need to know. You don't have to have a spiritual language to be a Christian. Point number one is you don't have to speak in tongues to go to heaven. All right? Y'all with me? I remember when we were first starting Higher Vision and just kind of got going, and I had one of the, the visitors or guests at the church come to a coffee with the pastor, and they said, Pastor, we've heard that you're one of those churches that believe in speaking in tongues or spiritual language. So I have a question for you. Do you guys believe that you have to speak in tongues to go to heaven? And I said, no, we don't believe that. In fact, we know that in order for us to receive Christ, we have to have a filling of the Holy Spirit. Let me say this. If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you have had an infilling, an impartation of the Holy Spirit. Because, in fact, the Bible tells us in Corinthians that you can't call Jesus Lord without the Holy Spirit being in you. In fact, let me read a passage to you in John chapter 3, verse 5. John chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says this. Jesus replied, here's what he said. I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water, that's baptism, and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So when you receive Christ, you've been filled with the Spirit. But let me tell you that there is something beyond the filling of the Spirit. It's called the baptism. You see, when something's baptized, I could bring a cup out here and I could pour water into it and fill it. But it's not been baptized. Because when it's been baptized, that filled cup is submerged where the water isn't just on the inside, it's on the outside. It's that not touching bottom. It's that overcoming, that overwhelming sense of the Spirit. And so what Jesus said is this. He said, listen, if you've received Christ, if you've received me, then you've been filled with the Spirit. But here's the deal. There is something coming, a gift that is coming that is even beyond that that's available to you. It's a gift from my Father. And here's point number two. You ready? Because point number one is not only that you don't have to, to, to speak in tongues to be a Christian. Here's the second thing. Spiritual language is God's gift to you. Spiritual language is God's gift to you. We read it just a moment ago in Acts chapter 1. It says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised. You see, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, spiritual language, is a gift that God promised to his followers, his believers, his children. And what's really cool, if you read in Acts chapter 2, the, the disciples go back to Jerusalem after Jesus tells them this, hey, a gift is coming. Something special, a baptism is coming. John baptized with water and repentance, but Father's going to baptize you in the Spirit. So they go back and they begin to go deeper. Forty days, they fast, they pray, they repent, they seek God. And on the day of Pentecost, there's this experience. Suddenly there's a loud sound and there appears what looks like flames. Tongue or flames kind of look like tongues, don't they? And so this tongue or this flame appears in a literal physical form and it it separates 
over all of the people that are there, and suddenly they begin speaking in tongues or begin speaking in a spiritual language to God. And when it happens, a crowd gathers, and when the crowd gathers, they begin to go, what in the world is going on? And when they do, Peter steps up, and basically here's what Peter says. Peter says, some of you are going to flash back, he says, whoop, there it is. That's exactly what Peter says. All of you that are older got that. All of the younger generation are like, what is he talking about? Anybody remember that old song? Whoop. You realize the 40 and up people raised their hands. Here's what Peter says. Peter says, this is that. Speaking about Jesus and what he said, that a gift was coming, a baptism, he said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that your sons and daughters will prophesy. He said, this is the gift. This is the baptism. What was he talking about? He was talking about this release of spiritual language. He wasn't talking about the Holy Spirit only, but he was talking about the Holy Spirit releasing the gift through spiritual language. Now, let me stop and say, when you seek or pray for the gift, and you say, God, I'm open to receiving a spiritual language, here's what you need to know. You're not praying for a thing. You're praying for more of a who. Because here's the deal. When God sent the Holy Spirit, he didn't say, may the force be with you. The Holy Spirit isn't a force. The Holy Spirit is a friend. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's a part of the Godhead. It's part of the Trinity. So when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in the baptism in the Holy Spirit or spiritual language, you're receiving more of an impartation of the work of the Spirit in such a way that there's an overflow of baptism, an overflow of spiritual language that you're able to release to God. It's kind of like this. If I were to give you my shoe as a gift, the tongue comes with it. Come on now. Was that not good? Just throwing that out there. So what Peter basically says is this. He said, listen, this baptism, this gift, there is some evidence to let you know that you've received it. And the evidence is that when you get the shoe, you'll see the tongue. And when we look in the book of Acts, every time that there is a reference to this infilling or this empowering or this release of the gift of the Spirit, every time in the book of Acts, every time, it is clearly stated that they spoke in a spiritual language or that spiritual language is inferred in the context. So for the New Testament church and for the apostles, For them to know if you've experienced the gift, the only way they knew is if you had a tongue. So we believe, or I believe, that the scripture teaches us that when you are, we all receive the Holy Spirit, but when you are filled or baptized in the Spirit and receive this gift, there will always be some evidence. And that evidence is that a tongue will be there. You know, I was given a gift recently, and then I'm going to move on to the next point. I was given a gift, and I was kind of excited because this person um, had, you know, 
they've give, given me gifts before. How many here have ever had a person when they give you a gift, you're all excited because they're a good gift giver? I mean, I'm telling you. <laughs> right? So I was excited because they brought me a gift, and I was thinking, ooh, what is in here? And then I opened it. And inside. <laughs> and you know what was inside? It was shaving cream. <laughs> but it was a special kind of shaving cream I'd never seen. It's this company called The Art of Shaving. And there was this oil in there, and there was all this stuff in there, and I was kind of like, it was one of those gifts where you get it, and you're like, thanks. How did you know I shaved? I, I, I wasn't really excited about the gift, because here's the thing, I didn't understand what it really was because once I used it it's awesome you should come feel my face right now it's the best shave you have ever had I was skeptical and I didn't really understand the gift because I didn't know what it really was and you know when the gift came and people began speaking in spiritual language or in tongues there was immediately skepticism and uncertainty about the gift. Because here's what happened. When they began to speak, people began to say, are they drunk? What's going on? And then Peter stood up, and here's what he said. And it's important for you and I to understand what Peter said. Peter said, this is it. This is that. Whoop, there it is. This is the gift the Father gave. And then he went on to say, he said, it's important for you to know that this gift is from God. In fact, I want to give you the next point because here's what the next point is. You ready? The next point is spiritual language is for today. So not only is God's gift for you, and we saw it in the, Old, in the New Testament, but that gift is for you today. Here's what Acts chapter 2 verse 38 says. Peter said, Okay, guys, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, look what he goes on to say. This promise is for who? Okay, so some of you think, okay, well, that's for the, for the time of Peter, the days of Jesus. This is for you, and then also for your who? Children. So it was at least for the next generation. And then look what it says. And for who? Who? For all who are afar off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. In other words, anyone who ever calls on the name of the Lord, anyone who ever God has destined to come into his kingdom, this gift is available for them. Now there are those who their, their beliefs are that many of the things, the miracles, the promises that Jesus did and gave in his time were just for his time, but they're not for today. I want you to know that in this church, we believe that everything Jesus did and everything he promised wasn't just for him in his time, but they're for us in our time. In fact, Peter knew right at the beginning when this gift came that there would be a tendency for people to be skeptical of the gift. 
and that there would be people who would be uncertain and not understand, just like I did with the art of shading, that we would not think we needed it or that it had that much value or that it was really for us. So Peter wanted to make sure from the very beginning that when this gift was introduced called spiritual language, that it wasn't just for that day, but it was for everyone in every century to come that this gift was available for them. You see, God's given you a gift called spiritual language. And that spiritual language is for today. Now, I know it seems a little peculiar and different. Speaking in a spiritual language, it's hard to understand. But is, I love what Pastor Jack Hayford says. He said it this way. He goes, he said it this way. He said, it is not unreasonable to think that, would, that God would give us a way to worship and communicate in a language or method that transcends our natural ability. So you don't have to speak in a spiritual language to go to heaven. But here's what you know, need to know, is that God has a gift for you. Not only does he have a gift for you, but that spiritual language is for today. You ready for point number three or four or whatever it is? I can't remember. Four? Okay, number four. Ready? Spiritual language has incredible value. So let's unpackage this gift a little bit and talk about why we would want it. Why God would give it. Why did they give me the art of shaving? Because that person had experienced the smooth, cool, refreshing shave that was available through the gift. Here's why spiritual language has incredible value. You ready? First of all, what we see in the Bible with spiritual language, number one, is that it was a miraculous sign. Will you write that down? Spiritual language is a miraculous sign. On the day of Pentecost, when they began to speak in spiritual language, they actually didn't speak in an unknown tongue. What we see in the New Testament is what's called an unknown spiritual language and a known spiritual language. So there are times when they would speak in a spiritual language that, that God was actually speaking through them a language that was known at the time, but they just didn't know how to speak it. So on the day of Pentecost, when they began to speak, people began coming from around the, the area and listening to them and going, wait a minute, that guy I know is from Galilee. There's no way he speaks the language of my country, which is Ethiopia. How is he speaking Ethiopian? That's a miraculous sign. How many know that if you begin to pray in your private prayer language and suddenly you start speaking a language you don't know, how many know that's a miraculous sign? I'm going to tell you, it wasn't just for that day, it's for today. God does it today. In fact, that was interesting. Recently, that happened to Pastor Wayman. Pastor Wayman was in Brazil. He was there ministering on a missions trip. I can tell you, because I'm his brother, he does not speak Portuguese. He can try, but he doesn't speak Portuguese. But guess what? When he was on the mission field about a year and a half, two years ago, he was there. And at the end of one of the services, he went down and he began praying for people. And as he was praying for people, he began to pray over them in his spiritual language. And as he began to pray, service, you know, concluded, he got home and there was a message on Facebook waiting for him. And it was this lady, and here's what she said. She goes, Pastor Wayman, I didn't know you spoke Portuguese. She goes, because as you laid your hand on me and you began to pray over me, you began prophesying a word over me in the language of Portuguese. And you began to speak about the fact, and this woman had been called into the mission field, 
and she was struggling with whether she was supposed to step out and go to Chile and be a missionary. And she said, as you began to speak in Portuguese over me, you began to pray about how that God had called me and he had this new work that he wanted me to do and that I didn't need to be afraid and I needed to step out in faith because he was bringing a new change. She said, you gave me the confidence to go into the mission field because you prayed over me in Portuguese. Can I tell you, Wayman doesn't know Portuguese. Guess what that was? He wrote her back and told her, I don't know Portuguese. What was it? It was a miraculous sign of the nature and grace and love of God. So one of the values of spiritual language we see happen sometimes. Never happened to me. Of course, it happened to him. It's a miraculous sign. It's one of the values of the gift. You know what another value of the gift is? It's to edify the church. Write that down. We can see in the Bible that sometimes there was what's called a tongue or a spiritual language released in a setting, a, a, a church setting, and then there was what was called an interpretation, the gift of interpretation. We see the gifts of the Spirit listed in Corinthians, um, tongues, interpretation of tongues, uh, working of miracles, healing. We see word of wisdom, word of knowledge. I'm not going to go into all that today. I've taught on that multiple times here at Higher Vision. I'm just focusing on the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is available to everyone, and it's for today. The, the way that the gift of tongues would edify the church was when someone in a service would feel prompted by God to release a, a spiritual language out loud. And then when they did it, the service would kind of quiet they would release that tongue, and then someone would give the interpretation. Now, let me explain. It wasn't a translation of the tongue. Because I've been in services, in settings, small groups, wherever, where someone would give this really long spiritual language, and then the person would give the interpretation, and it was, like, really short. You're like, that didn't seem to go together. So it's not a translation word for word. It's an interpretation of the heart of God being shared with the people. Now, let me say that those two together, when you have a, 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 a spiritual language released and you have an interpretation of that, those two together make a prophecy, which is the release of God's heart to encourage, strengthen, bless, build up the body. Sometimes as a body, we need to hear what God is saying. Now, in this church, most of the time in a service like this, you'll hear a prophecy, not a tongue and an interpretation. I think that's for a few reasons. Here's why. When God released the gifts, the culture of the church was much different than it is today. You see, when, when Christ released the gifts and the gifts were released, churches met. But here's what the church looked like. 20 people in a small setting. Not a thousand people with multiple services back to back. But it was a small setting where the gifts could. That's why the scripture talks about when you gather together, every one of you should have a tongue, should have a psalm, should have a hymn. How many know that if we followed that principle in our corporate church setting today, we'd be here till next week? So for the corporate gathering of the body, the, or in our setting, that oftentimes you'll hear me give a prophetic word. First of all, it's a lot faster. There's also teaching in there about how that for unbelievers, tongues can be confusing and hard to understand. And so in the culture we live in, for our corporate setting, we come together for, to, for worshiping, for celebration. We come together for discipleship and teaching. And we come together to be able to um, give people an opportunity to refine, re find Christ for evangelism. 
And the gifts are in operation every weekend in our church. You may not know that. When we have prayer times over here, people will go over there and people will give a prophetic word over them or a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge or the gift of healing will be released or a working of miracle will be released or a breakthrough and deliverance will take place. We see the power of the Holy Spirit operating in more personal settings. That's why we have that time available. But for our corporate gathering, the dynamic has changed. In that day... They would, the, the heart of God would be released through a prophecy or through a tongue and interpretation together. Does that make sense? So we have the baptism in the Holy Spirit where the tongue is released as a gift to edify the church. We have it as a miraculous sign. And here's the third thing. You all with me? The other thing that the, the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit does and spiritual language does is it not only edifies or builds up the church, but here's what it does. It builds you up. It's for personal edification. Why do we need or why would we want this gift? Here's why. Because this gift makes you and I bigger and stronger in our relationship with God. How many would like to have a stronger, bigger, more, um, uh, having a greater foundation in your relationship with God? How many would say amen to that? So spiritual language is a gift to help create that and do that. So let's take a look at what some of those things are. Here's how it builds you up. Number one, when you pray in your spiritual language or you release that spiritual language, here's what happens. You pray God's will without even knowing it. How many here have ever had a time where you're praying about a situation and you just don't know what God's will is? Anybody? Do I take the job or not take the job? Is that the person that I'm supposed to marry or not? Is, we can go down the list. Sometimes we don't know for sure. And so one way that you can know that you're praying or lining up with the will of God is according to Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27, it tells us that when we pray in the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit prays through us the alignment of God's will. So sometimes when I'm praying for our church family or I'm praying for a situation, you know what I do? I just pray in my spiritual language because I'm able to pray the perfect will of God, even though I don't know specifically what it is at that moment. You all with me? So it's a tool for intercession. You realize that, I'll give you a beautiful, powerful, miraculous sign of this. My mom, one night, woke up in the middle of the night, and she had this dream, and it was a dream about Bishop Natuka, who pastors an amazing church, and he's kind of an apostle in the sense that he has churches all throughout Africa. She felt like there was something going on, that he might be in danger, and so she didn't know what was going on. She couldn't pick up the phone and call him, so you know what she did? She started praying in the Spirit. When Paul mentions praying in the Spirit, he's speaking about spiritual language. So she starts praying. She prays. There's this burden on her, and she prays. She prays. It's the middle of the night. She prays. She prays, and then she feels it lift. And when she feels that burden lift, she goes back to sleep. Well, the next day, she gets online and emails. You know what she found out? Time is different right there. So at the exact time that she woke up in the middle of the night feeling like there was something that she needed to, to intercede for, a tool of intercession, praying in the Spirit. And she began to pray for Bishop Natuka. You know what she found out? At that exact time, he had gone with his family to a political rally in his country. And they were standing near the front stage. And as they were standing there, suddenly, the Holy Spirit prompts Bishop and says, you need to move your family right now. It's not safe. And he, at the moment my mom is praying in the Spirit for him, he hears from the Spirit, get your family out of there. He grabs his family, moves away from the stage, and 30 seconds later, a bomb goes off. How many know we need the Spirit? 
There are things that only the Spirit knows and can, and can do. So we pray God's will. That's why it builds us up. The second thing that, that helps build us up personally through the, the gift of the Spirit is this, and that is that not only do we pray God's will, but it builds us, literally. Write that down. It builds you up. 1 Corinthians says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies. That word edify means to build like a house, construct. So you and I begin to construct our walk with God, our spiritual journey, our faith. We begin to build that house of faith when we pray in the Spirit. In fact, Jude verse, or Jude verse 20 says, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. So when we pray in the Spirit, it's like lifting weights. We get stronger. So not only do we pray God's will, not only do we build, get built up in our own spiritual journey, but it also we see that it's a method for praise. Write that down. Acts chapter 10, verse 46. It's a way to praise God. We can sing in the Spirit. And sometimes our abilities in praise are limited by our musical t- ability or by our knowledge of what situations. But sometimes we can... We can praise him on a whole nother level. It's also a method for prophecy. I mentioned that earlier. 1 Corinthians 14, 5, tongues and interpretation. One of the most powerful things and one of the, the greatest reasons why you and I would want to receive why this gift is so valuable for us is, here's the big one. It gives us power to be evangelistic. It gives us power to witness. There's a scripture in, in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. In fact, when Jesus is talking about, hey, go back to Jerusalem and wait for this promise of the Holy Spirit my Father has given you. He says, when that comes, he says, you will receive, Acts 1 verse 8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. He's speaking about the gift in Acts chapter 2 verse 4. Because remember Peter said, this is what Jesus was talking about. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Maybe one of the reasons why you haven't had the boldness and the power to be a witness for Christ on the level that he has for you is because you haven't received your shaving cream. You haven't received the gift. So, This spiritual language, this gift, has incredible value. I have one more point. You ready? Come here with me. Say amen. I know I'm teaching some heavy stuff today. But you know, it's important for us as we go deeper. There are moments where we have to say, okay, God, as we go deeper, you have to teach me what this means. Because the Bible says you will know truth. Remember, we've been talking about meditating on the word. I gave you that action step. If you'll notice, I gave you passages that talk about the Holy Spirit and the gift of God. And as you and I meditate on the word, here's what happens. As we, because maybe some of you grew up and you've been taught that speaking in tongues is demonically inspired. Because you've been taught that it's not for today. And so if it's not for today and God's not doing it today, then who's doing it? Well, there must be some evil force that's behind it. So for you, it's hard for you to open up and say, God, I'm open to this. Or I want to receive this because there's a red flag, danger, danger, danger. You're not sure. And so here's why we meditate on the word. Here's why we we go waist deep and we gird our loins. Here's why. Because as we meditate on the truth of God's word, the truth will set us, what? Free so that we can receive all of the promises that he has for us. So we've learned. You don't have to speak in the spiritual language to go to heaven to be a Christian. What was number two? Say it with me. You all know it? Here we go. Spiritual language is God's gift to you. Number three. 
Spiritual language is for today. Number four, spiritual language has incredible value. We've learned why we need it. So we can pray in God's will. And so we, we've learned all that. Now here's the last thing. If you're going to receive this baptism, here's what you need to know. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak for you. When you begin to operate and flow in that spiritual language, speaking in tongues, God doesn't grab your tongue and do it for you. God's not a ventriloquist. In fact, let me read to you what happened on the day of Pentecost when this gift first came. Acts chapter 2 verse 4 says, And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in the spiritual language and other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. I like the New, Liv- or the new, Kings trans- uh, the new King James translation because it says it this way. They all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I love how Pastor Jack um, explains it because he says the way the Greek is written there, it's literally this. The Spirit was continually giving them what they were speaking out loud. So the Spirit gives them utterance. When I first received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I was eight years old. That was 37 years ago. If you're doing the math, I'm 45, okay? I just throw it out there. It's like, how old is he? He looks so young. Let me see you. <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. I don't know. It's so funny, too. Being up on stage, you, you look younger. And being up on stage, you look taller. I had someone last week, they're like, you're a lot taller on the stage. And I am. I'm four feet higher. I was eight years old, and someone came and they prayed for me that I would receive the gift. And here's what happened. I want the worship team to come. When they came... And they prayed for me. God didn't grab my tongue and start wiggling it real fast. As I began to pray, I sensed that God's spirit was there. And he suddenly started putting things, utterances, words, things in my mind, in my spirit to say. But I was afraid to say it because I thought it was me. Now let me just say, does that not make sense at all to think that way? that you would come forward or you'd have someone pray for you and you've never spoken a spiritual language before and you begin to say, I receive it. And then as you receive it, suddenly things begin to come in your mind to speak out and you think it's not God. Hadn't been there before and it's there now. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. He began to tell them what to say. But here's the thing. They had to, in faith, speak it out. And a lot of people get tripped up in receiving because they become fearful. What if it's me? Can I tell you, everything in the Bible we receive by faith. You're saved through faith. If you have a prophetic word for someone, you speak it out in faith, believing that God's given it to you. And so just the same thing happens with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Many times people will be prayed for and you can see God all over them. You can sense the Spirit is moving. And many times, and for me, I had a word. So you know what I finally did? I finally overcame my fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear. And as an eight-year-old boy, I started speaking it out. And I'll be honest with you, when I began to speak it out, it sounds sometimes like gibberish. It sounds different. It doesn't sound like, sometimes it can sound like a language. Sometimes it doesn't. 
but it's the spiritual language of God. It's kind of that moment of taking your feet off the bottom and getting caught in the river and saying, okay, Holy Spirit, take me. And you begin to speak it out. And let me say, sometimes people, when they receive, they receive like one little word, just like children. When they first start learning to talk, they don't, the first thing that they don't look at you and say, Mom, could you go get the bottle for me? Because I'm really thirsty. <laughs> that baby looks at you and goes, Dada. And sometimes when we receive that language, over the years, I prayed and it seemed, sounded like I was speaking Chinese, which is awesome because my name's Ming. I don't know if I was speaking Chinese, but I was speaking a spiritual language. And here's what's cool. Every time I do, I'm praying God's will. I'm building myself up. I'm, I'm allowing his power to operate through me. I'm edifying God. I'm edifying myself. Man, it's awesome. It's a gift. And man, that shaving cream is amazing. God has so many things available, but he won't speak for you. That's why I want to read one more verse, and we're going we're gonna to go into a time of worship. This is what Paul said about praying in the Spirit, in praying. He said, for, and 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says, For I, if I pray in a tongue, or a spiritual language, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So I don't know exactly always what I'm praying when I pray in the Spirit. So what should I do? In other words, the idea is, should I quit praying in the Spirit because I don't understand? Paul says, no, of course you should. He says, what shall I do? I will, I choose, I do it. I release what the Spirit is giving me. I will pray with the Spirit, and I'll pray with my understanding. So I'll pray normal in English, but I will pray in the Spirit. And here's the other one. I will sing with my Spirit. That's why sometimes I encourage you, let's begin to worship God and sing in the Spirit. And he says, and I will sing with my understanding. Now, let me say something to, to bring some clarity. There's a difference between the gift of tongues and your personal private prayer language. The gift of tongues is used to speak boldly and loudly so that everyone hears it, so that there can be an interpretation. And the two together are a prophecy, okay? That's the gift of tongues to edify the church corporately or in a small gathering or wherever it might be. That's different than your personal prayer language. And so many times, people that are new to this, they get confused because they say, well, isn't this church out of order? Because I was worshiping and I heard someone praying in tongues next to me. Aren't they out of order? Because isn't there supposed to be an interpretation? What you need to understand is there's a difference. The, the gift of tongue is used with an interpretation for the body to edify. But our personal prayer language, that baptism in the Holy Spirit, is used to edify us. So it's appropriate not to jump, jump on the microphone, but in your seat to lift your voice and begin to pray in your, in your spirit or to sing in the spirit. And guess what? When you do that, it creates an atmosphere. You know what happened on the day of Pentecost when they began to pray and begin to worship? In fact, the Bible says this, that they were speaking in other tongues, that they were actually worshiping God and people understood it. So when we begin to pray and sing in the spirit, we're worshiping God on a whole new level. And it creates an atmosphere. And you know what happened? People got saved. 3,000 people got saved. And the church was launched because of the release of the gift. In fact, I want you to close your eyes. I'm going to ask a question.